Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back to More Than Muse. We're so happy to have everyone here. Yes, we are. This episode has been a long time coming. It has. And I feel like the stars have aligned to make this perfect. If you're like a true Taylor Swift fan, you'll notice some little things that we mm-hmm. did here. It's our 13th episode. Yes. And this is being released on December 14th. Which is the day after Taylor Swift's birthday. <laughs> yes. So just a bunch of fun little things Yeah, there. when we realized that the 13th episode was going to be right after the 13th of December, it was a, we had to. We had to make this a Taylor Swift episode. Yeah, we had to do it. <laughs> Plus, we've been wanting to do this episode since we started the podcast, and we held off for a little yeah. bit. You know, we held off until it would be the perfect time to release it, and this is it. So I think we decided at the beginning of this podcast episode, we are going to give a brief ranking of our Taylor Swift albums. Which is so tough. It is hard. <laughs> I felt like I was choosing my favorite children. Because <laughs> yeah. if you haven't listened to the Fangirls episode, I feel like I should give a little bit of a disclaimer. We are both pretty big Taylor Swift mm. fans. I am a certified <laughs> Taylor Swift fangirl, if you, if that's anything at all. I went to the Reputation Stadium tour basically on my honeymoon, so that's there's so my cool. fan badge of honor. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, she's incredible for so many reasons, which we'll go over obviously mm-hmm. but um yeah we're both pretty big fans yeah our senior year together 1989 came out during our lunch break we went to target got the albums and just sat in the car and listened to it so. yeah <laughs> and like it died bonding. <laughs> yes and freaked out over hearing blank space <laughs> and style and everything on that album <laughs> oh my gosh we bonded. We've always been bonding over Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. Do you know your ranked albums? Like, do you have this okay. all worked out? I do. I've thought about this so hard. But here is what I've come up with. And I feel like I'm going to have to really justify some of them. But okay, but here we go. So bottom of the list is the debut Taylor Swift album. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's some classics on there. But overall, there's just... I skipped the most songs on debut. Yeah. So there it is. Love it, though. Okay. My seventh one, I I feel like this could be a controversial opinion, but my seventh one is Lover. Really? Yeah. Now, listen, I there's like three or four songs I like love on that album and are in my like top favorite Taylor Swift song like ever, Mm -hmm. like Cruel Summer, Lover, Cornelia Street. Like there's so many good ones. As a whole, I just, I don't love it. I kind of skip a lot of the songs on there. So, I mean, I still go back and I listen to it and I'll listen to it as an album. But in comparison to all her other albums, Lover just doesn't do it for me like I thought that it did at first. Interesting. Yes. So Lover, seven. Okay. Okay. This next, like the next three spots is when it gets very confusing for me because I feel like it just depends but next I have Speak Now, and then the, right after that I have Fearless, and okay. then right after that is 1989. So I feel like, I don't know for sure, I feel like sometimes Fearless is above 1989, and I feel like sometimes Speak Now is above Fearless. I just, those three go hand in hand, but I think 1989 is the top. I love 1989. It's so good. It's just so good. I know. Agreed. And then my top three, 
Reputation, Folklore, and then my favorite is Red. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like reputation being so high is not common, but I just loved that album so much. And I still go back and listen to it all the way through consistently. It's a good one. It definitely doesn't get enough credit. And Folklore, honestly, in like four or five years might end up being my favorite Taylor Swift album. But just right now, there's just a lot of like nostalgic feelings with the Mm. red album and that is why it will always have at least for now it's top place my top place no that makes total sense um i think mine's pretty similar there's like a few differences um yeah so the taylor swift debut album is probably still my last i love a lot of the songs on it i just yeah i i don't yeah i don't think i've listened to it once on spotify Um, I listened to it a lot when it came out, like, on YouTube, but, um, yeah, haven't really touched it since. Um, these are where it gets hard with the rest of them. (laughs) Like, oh, so (laughs) difficult. Um, I would probably, I'd probably put Fearless next Mm -hmm. and then Speak Now. I love them both, but it's kind of the same thing, like, Early Taylor Swift is, like, wonderful, but I'm not, like, a very big country person. As much as I, like, love early Taylor Swift, and I think that she's phenomenal, and there's a reason she got famous, it's just not the songs that, like, I don't go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't put them on repeat. I don't listen to them that often. Okay, this is where it gets hard, because this is where I, like, started, like, diehard listening to Taylor Swift. Yeah. (laughs) And there's, like, a cute... A few things about it that make it really hard to, like, figure out which ones top the others. Um, Honestly, I would have put Lover higher, but after your comments, I, like, went and looked at the songs, and I actually skip a lot of them. Yeah. That's how I am. Like, I there's certain songs on it that I love, 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 love. But yeah. As a, as a whole, I don't, I think I, I don't know. Like, Death by a Thousand Cuts. Come on. Yeah, I love that song. So amazing. And Lover, of course, is phenomenal. But, yeah, I don't listen to all of them. Like, London Boy, I think I only listened to it the once. It just... Yeah. Maybe if I loved someone that was from London... London? It would, I know. <laughs> it would mean more, but... And me, I just... know. Yeah, so I think Lover would honestly be next. And then... Then probably Red. This is hard because I love Red, but I think think my top three would be folklore reputation and 1989 as the top one okay so ours are pretty similar yeah 1989 i just adore it yeah it's so good (laughs) that whole era that all the songs like yeah and like so much of that could just be like that's my favorite era of taylor swift and Mm -hmm. so it just like hits right because it like I loved the album design. I loved what she was doing with like all of her music videos and everything at that time. Blank Space is like hands down my favorite Taylor Swift music video that has ever been released. I think she was a genius in every single little decision she made. Yes, absolutely. And that song is so good too. Mm -hmm. And I just love Reputation because of like the more... I really love beats in, like, music, like, a good mm-hmm. solid beat, and she's got it in that. Yeah. And then Folklore, I really adore it, honestly. I know it's, like, my third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So three is Folklore, two is Reputation, and first is 1989. But I feel like it's just because I don't know it very well yet. Yeah. Like I said, I feel like in four or five years, yeah. it might be my favorite. But I know. It could adjust. But I love what she did with it, like... It was the perfect little genre to move into. It, like, fit perfectly with this year. So. Yep. And it was such a nice surprise. <laughs> I know. It was announced on my birthday. Which was just, oh, wow. Like, I woke up that morning, and, you know, I have post notifications on for Taylor Swift. So mm-hmm. I had all these, like, Taylor Swift posted on Instagram, and I was like, oh, on my birthday. And then I opened it, and I was like, like Jordan. <laughs> I know. I was like, Taylor Swift is releasing an album and he's like you're lying I'm like no 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 no. this is real life like this yeah. is on my birthday happy birthday to me we don't have to do anything else today and it's a great birthday <laughs> yeah it was kind of 
shocking because she has pretty consistently only done one every two years two years yeah i think like on the dot pretty much every two years in the fall is when she releases so to have like lover come out last year none of us were expecting anything and then she's like surprise i wrote an entire album in quarantine oh and also too i feel like (laughs) with the way she markets like she plays the long game of like mm-hmm. she sets up a theme and like markets it in like a very specific kind of way. So it was like this was very different that she like mm-hmm. dropped it. Like, completely changed her whole aesthetic and then yeah. here we go. And there's so many things we could go into. Like if we really wanted to get like nerdy about branding, we oh, could go yeah. into all of the things that Taylor Swift has done that are just like She's like a master class. Yeah, it's like the perfect way to do a launch, the perfect way to talk to your audience, the perfect Uh. way to rebrand yourself. Like, oh my gosh, I could go on forever. And I feel like that's where so much of my respect is Mm -hmm. from her is not only is she like a phenomenal artist, like you can't deny that, but she also is just like one of the smartest businesswomen in like the music industry, if Mm -hmm. not the smartest businesswoman in the music industry at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just the way that she rebrands, I feel like every time it feels so seamless, but yet the shifts are so... Dramatic. Dramatic. I mean, like, it's obviously different and it's conscious, but it's, like, I think the way that she, like, rebrands herself, I feel like, in every aspect of her life. Like, I feel like you could look at a picture of Taylor Swift and obviously, like, kind of we all grow up and, like, go through phases, but it's, like, oh, based off of her outfit choices and her hair, mm-hmm. we're in this era. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the album cycle we're in. I and even, I read an interview and she said she does it deliberately. She mm-hmm. will change her entire look because she wants to be able to look back and look at photos of herself and know what she was working on at that time. Yeah, and it totally comes across yeah and they're dramatic changes too like this is not just like oh i switched the way i part my hair like yeah (laughs) she's changing like literally everything about her aesthetic and like she isn't losing any fans so i think that's like a cool lesson to like look Uh into about like how to run your business honestly and like get loyalty but then also still change things up how you feel like you want to change things up Mm mm-hmm yeah Because even, like, the tie from Reputation to Lover, like, it was pretty much, like, her wearing a lot of dark muted colors to all of a sudden she was wearing neon, you know? Like, she was wearing bright, bright colors. And it was just like, oh, yeah, cool. This is what we're doing now. New album. Yep, exactly. Like, we knew the new era was coming because she was wearing colors again. So, like, what was happening? (laughs) Oh, man. Lover was great just because a lot of the hype and excitement about it. I agree. I thought the hype of it was fun, but the music wasn't just if her lead single would have been Cruel Summer. I feel like it would have been much better. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. That's one of my like holy trinity of maybe Taylor Swift songs ever, but we'll see. (laughs) Okay, well, should we jump into talking about let's we're going to talk about her life today. We're going to give a brief breakdown through the labels, but then I feel like Taylor Swift also she gets a ton of criticism Mm -hmm. right some of it i mean like is constructive and i think it's important to like you know maybe give to people who are in her position but as a completely unbiased person (laughs) most of it is very very unfair and i think it also sheds a light on the way that like powerful women are kind of perceived and maybe tried to be brought down yeah i guess like kind of a disclaimer um we're not just doing this episode because we love her we true we, we do obviously but i think that looking at taylor swift and a lot of that criticism despite how successful she's proven over and over again that she is yeah and like It shows a lot of, like, the sexism and bias that is still in the music industry and, like, very deeply rooted within it, where um, a lot of the things that she gets criticism for are not things that men who do the same things get criticism for, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I think, like, that's especially why we're doing this is to, like, talk about this person that continues to set records over and over and over again has done some things that have never been done before and yet continues to get like the same weird little criticisms that no other male artist would get totally 
I second everything that mm-hmm. you just said. So let us start with Taylor Swift's timeline here. So mm-hmm. she was born on December 13th, 1989, which is just at a beautiful, important date because 13 is her lucky number. And then 1989 ended up becoming one of the best pop albums Oh, ever. yeah. <laughs> so good for her for like really just capitalizing on her birthday seriously and like <laughs> making them so well known that like I know. everybody knows <laughs> again lesson in branding <laughs> everything is important <laughs> so true okay and then she grew up on a christmas tree farm in pennsylvania which yes. sounds so charming i know and she even sings about it on her christmas song mm-hmm. which, which is just I a loved. great christmas song there is that and then when she was super young her family moved to nashville so she could pursue songwriting like kind of professionally and essentially I feel like just like knock on the doors of record labels like yeah this is like actually a really crazy thing to me because I can't imagine as a parent I being know. like oh my daughter really loves to songwrite let's uproot our entire family and livelihood and move so that she can do this more I know I completely agree. And maybe that makes me a bad person. Then I'm like, I don't know if I'd be willing to do that for my kid. But (laughs) no, I feel like that's legit, though, because it's like truth is, is you don't know if it's going to be a phase. Mm -mm. You You know, you don't know if this is something they really want to do or if it's in a year they're going to be bored. And then here you are, have uprooted your life. You know, no, it's really crazy. And I think it like. There is a little bit of privilege here to acknowledge is that her yeah, family totally. was pretty well off. And so this was something that they could do. Um, mm-hmm. Most people could not just move and dedicate their, their 12-year-old daughter's dream or 14-year-old, <laughs> whatever. Um, so it does show that. But I think it also shows like she must have been extremely dedicated even from a very young age. Because mm-hmm. like you said, like how would you know whether or not it would be a phase? Yeah, Um, I think she must have proven that like this wasn't going to change. Yeah. And I feel like because I in her documentary that she has Miss Americana, Mm -hmm. there's like all the clips of her as like a young girl, like being like, we're going to this record label today. Like they take they I feel like they took so many trips to Nashville before, like trying to find people, trying to get her foot in the door. And so, yeah, I feel like she must have proved herself. of like, no, I'm, I'm for real about this. Definitely. But still, huge sacrifice and risk on her parents' part. Absolutely. (laughs) And very impressive. I know. (laughs) Believe in your children's dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Uproot your whole life. Just do whatever they want. I mean, it paid off. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess it worked out great for them. So, (laughs) Okay, well, so she's in Nashville. And she, from what I understand, she performed at the Bluebird Cafe, which is like, songwriting paradise for country music i feel like my dream personally is to one day perform at the bluebird cafe wow huge deal for songwriters but she was discovered by scott brichetta okay yes i'm pretty sure i didn't know this fact actually about her playing at a cafe i just always assumed she just knocked on the right door one day so i mean like (laughs) that's the story that they tell so i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But I also don't know how much of it was like maybe curated to be like, wow, like she's just like all these country songwriters. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. But essentially, Mm -hmm. she signed with Big Machine Records, who was a very brand new record label that she decided to believe in. Like it was just right at the beginning. And here's where I want to acknowledge one of the very first criticisms of Taylor Swift is that her parents essentially bought her career because the fact is, is her family and her dad did invest in big machine records. Mm -hmm. Like there is some financial gain there for him with big machine records. And I think he funded it. And so a lot of people are like, Oh, well her dad funded the record label. That's why, that's why they cared about her, you know? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Sure. Maybe, Big Machine Records, maybe they were like, okay, this guy is, you know, like maybe he is financing us in a certain way. So let's push his daughter because, you know, if he pulls, we're screwed. Maybe that was the conversation. But here is my counter. 
there are so many rich parents who have done something like this for their children. Like there just are, you know, like there's a lot of like the small acts, even like the Disney Channel stars that I'm sure a lot of it was because their parents had money and connections, you know, and not all of them end up being Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. None of them have, in fact. And so I feel like and I feel like a lot of the times people like say that to almost like discredit her talent of like, oh, well, her dad just invested in the record label and that's why she's where she is now. And it's like, yeah, sure. Like there, like you mentioned, there is some privilege to acknowledge that like her mm-hmm. dad, they were obviously very financially well off, but, but, but yeah. from what I understand too, it was a very small percentage one. And then two, like this is what she created. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's important to realize that like her dad buying stock on big machine records doesn't mean that that like that wrote every song that made every chart topper that created every music video like no he just invested some money in a brand new record label that his daughter had signed with maybe he was just like my daughter's good enough that this thing's gonna be huge and I want to invest some money in the machine like the the machine the record company (laughs) that is helping her out like totally that's kind of how rich parents think I feel like like from everything I know about them is they're just like oh well we're affiliated so I'm gonna dump some money in this that's just kind of how it is um I don't think it was like a if you don't buy this many things, then we're not going to sign We're her. shelving your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, she had to have enough talent that they signed her in the first place. No record label yes. is going to, like, assign some random person just because their dad is willing to donate some money. So. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. And here's the truth is, is even if that was the case, there are so many artists and so many acts that record labels will push that just don't catch on. Mm-hmm. So... You know, like, that's not a given for success. There has to be something about the artist yeah. that speaks and connects with people. Like, no, exactly. you can throw as much money at it. And if it's not clicking, then it's not clicking. So, yes, there we go. First criticism checked as false. Nope. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there we go. We are just disproving all of the Taylor Swift <laughs> things right now. Okay, anyways. So, in this era, though... She released Tim McGraw, which was her very first single. That was Mm -hmm. in 2006. It became a top 10 hit on the country charts. And then later that year in October, she released her debut, Taylor Swift, which went on to sell more than 5 million copies. This is so nuts. First single is a top 10 hit. First album sells 5 million copies. I know. So just insane. I mean, and I know there was a lot of hits on that song. I mean, that album Mm-hmm. Our song, Teardrops on My Guitar, yeah. Should Have Said No, Picture to Burn. Like, there's just so many, like, classic yes. Taylor Swift And, like, songs. we all were playing those on repeat oh. back then. Yeah. That was, like, Teardrops everything. on My Guitar, I think, was the first Taylor Swift song I heard that I was just like, who? <laughs> like, what? I had a crush on a boy named Drew. <gasps> at the you time you didn't yeah That's and so, so it just like made it even more um <gasps> yeah so my dream was to always like have a crush on a boy that like taylor swift used their name in a song yeah, because i just needed that pretty great he wow. was a very cute boy named drew was he the reason for the teardrops on your guitar, Stani? Well, if I played the <laughs> guitar, then maybe. <laughs> the teardrops on my piano keys. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> okay, cool. So there's the beginning of Taylor Swift. Now, Fearless came out in 2008. I love Fearless. Oh, it's such it's a good one. Such a classic. Um, Some key things from Fearless. So... Fearless obviously went on to do very, very well. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, by that point, she, like, won, like, all these, like, huge country awards that, like, you know, she had just started. And she pretty much just, like, won everything she could in country, I feel. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that by that point. Maybe it was, like, later and Speak Now in Red. But that's yeah. just how I always perceived it. But basically, Fearless, she won Album of the Year at the Grammys for Fearless. And at the time, she was the youngest artist to ever do so. Now, Billie wow. Eilish is the youngest just but last still year. but yeah wow. she kept that record for 12 years wow. yeah 
And Billie Eilish is awesome. So we will oh, yeah. happily let her. Totally. I love Billie Eilish. That's crazy, though. If you go back and, like, watch her speech of her accepting it, she's just so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this cute little 19-year-old just losing her mind and also like her country accent that just like went away eventually makes mm-hmm. me think that she was kind of just faking it for that time period to like yeah appeal she to might her have country been playing it up a little bit i mean she's not waltzing around in cowboy boots anymore either so no but she also didn't grow up in nashville so i'm mm-hmm. like where did this country accent come from taylor but if anything it just shows like i'm not accusing her of being fake i'm accusing her of being smart yeah like, she's playing to her audience totally i think one of the craziest incidents i feel like that really brought her to the attention though was mm-hmm. um during the fearless era she also won um best female video for you belong with me at the vmas yep which you cannot deny is a fantastic music video. I love that music video so much, even still. And it's still iconic. I think I see TikToks every once in a while that are recreating mm-hmm. the little like, you okay? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's still a reoccurring meme. Like mm-hmm. the you okay this. Uh-huh. Yeah, like it definitely deserved it. But um, Kanye West um, got up and it was the whole like i'm gonna let you finish taylor but beyonce had the best music video and taylor's just standing there with her mouth open like what's happening like an awkward young girl who has this like older successful man yeah step in front and be like you don't deserve this Mm -hmm. which when you watch the miss americana documentary i feel like it totally puts it in a perspective because like she, like she talks about how at the time she thought that everyone booing who was actually booing Kanye they thought they were booing her mm-hmm. and like she talks about the fact like that can be a super like formative experience and I was thinking like yeah like to be on a stage and like everyone you feel like everyone is booing you like yeah that's like the worst feeling I can imagine like especially Mm -hmm. in such a huge setting um yeah like you're talking in front of a million people your brain is kind of pumping faster and the adrenaline is so high like you can't process things exactly the same and so Mm -hmm. it would be traumatizing like yeah so traumatizing to think that you had just won this amazing award and then like it's like the highest high of like yeah you won the award and i think she was like the first country act to ever win that award wow so like that was already yeah. a huge stepping stone and then like like i said from the high high to the low of like mm-hmm. this is humiliating you know yeah and it was kanye west like mm-hmm. he's a big deal now he was a big deal then like kanye has been a big deal for a while and yeah. to have like a celebrity that you know that everyone knows who it is mm-hmm. get up and like tell you you don't deserve something in front of a bunch of people totally. with the whole crowd booing that you think is for you that would be awful horrible absolutely i know and also too like kind of like how you talked about he pretty much said like oh you don't deserve to be here and Mm -hmm. in that documentary she talks about the fact that from that moment it was like okay i have to prove that i deserve to be here and i feel like that you can see that so much Mm -hmm. through like the next three eras of her life of her just being like i need to prove this like yeah you know i'm proving that i belong here that i'm good enough that i deserve the things that i have Mm -hmm. definitely i also a side note i think it's important to mention beyonce did not agree with what kanye did oh yeah and and she actually let taylor finish her acceptance speech at a later time and was very nice about it Um, well i'm pretty sure too that beyonce actually did win the video of the year that year so it's interesting to me that, like, Taylor Swift won, won the subcategory for that year of best female video, you know? Yeah. But then Beyonce went on later that night to win a bigger award. And I might be remembering it wrong, so anyone who's listening, if, oh, if I'm okay. lying, call me out. But I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. So that's just, like, I'm like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and I think Kanye came out and said later that he had had, like, two fumes like drinks too many mm-hmm. a few too many drinks and like yeah. was a little bit loopy or whatever so i don't know yeah but i feel like 
that obviously started like a media just storm you know Mm -hmm. surrounding taylor swift and everything which as we will talk about later leads some people to say that that is what i mean in a way it kind of was like i feel like that maybe brought people to like that brought taylor swift to the attention of people who didn't really recognize it before but it did not make her famous and i will yeah. not accept that <laughs> no i think she was already there like I think it's I mean, her album had already yeah. sold a million mm-hmm. records, right? And she had won, like, mm-hmm. album of the year that year. So I think it's important to realize, like, she was already famous. Like, and already very successful. Yeah. And yes, did this kind of, like, give her a lot of talk show interviews and stuff? Yeah. But she was mm-hmm. also the youngest artist at the time to win album of the year. There's no saying, like, maybe she would have had that same thing happen. Yeah. For totally. just that. Like, you can't. We talked about this kind of in the Maria Anna Mozart episode. You can't mm-hmm. pin someone else's talent and fame on somebody else and say that, like, they caused it or they were the incident yeah. of it. There's too many factors. And yeah. when it comes down to it, like, we are all successful because of the things that we do. Yeah. And I think leaving everyone else out of it is important because, like, you can't control what anyone else does. Exactly. I <laughs> completely agree. Mm-hmm. So, no, she's not famous because of the Kanye incident. That's ridiculous. (laughs) But it was a very, it's a part of her story. And everything that happened is a part of her story into Mm -hmm. how she became Taylor Swift. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So today, instead of doing our normal um artist spotlights we decided to be we thought it'd be fun to talk about our spotify wrapped mm-hmm. wrap spotify whatever Spo- 2020 wrapped that's what it is yeah so <laughs> the one problem with mine is so this year i've let my little brother use my spotify for like when he goes on hockey tournaments or trips we kind of have an agreement where I'm like, if I see you're on and I need to use it, you're getting kicked off and you can't whine about it, but you're allowed to use it whenever I'm not using it. So because of that, my top one, my top songs is um, a disaster. Um, <laughs> Juice World is one of my top artists, which I've never listened to a song by Juice World, but apparently my little brother listened to him a lot. So interesting. What do you know? Yeah. So, so I'll tell you the things, though that I can yeah talk about did it tell you how many new artists you listen to um let me check I listened to 813 artists this year wow but that's the thing I think a lot of them are it's like two it's that's the amount for two people okay because that's also my little brother's numbers so that's kind of the one (laughs) thing that I feel like it's not a very accurate portrayal because two people are using this account no that's cool it told me I discovered 280 new artists this year. And I was like, that's, that's a lot. Cool. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I was know. very impressed. Part of me like wants to kick off my little brother now. Just so that my 2021 rap will be accurate. <laughs> but I feel like that's a silly reason to do it. But I was still sad. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. But in just so appropriate for this episode, I was in the top 0.5% of Taylor Swift listeners. Nice. Which I posted it on my story and someone responded back saying that they were the same, which means we were the top 190,000 of everyone who's listened to Taylor Swift this year. Holy cow. So I was in that number. I saw someone that was in the top like 0.1%, which I was shook. I've also seen a couple screenshots of people who are the top 0.05%, which is also crazy. But, you know, wow. I spent 6,170 minutes listening to her this year. So, holy cow. There's my claim to fame. And Cardigan was my top, top song of the year. Nice. Yep. <laughs> my top artist, though, beyond Juice World and DaBaby, which is courtesy of my 15 year old brother, <laughs> was Taylor Swift and then Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's album Chromatica, I love. I love it. So that makes sense that she's my number two. But also I was kind of surprised that number four was Selena Gomez. Huh? I was like, oh, I guess I really, I listen like the rare album. I've seen pretty people critique it. Like it's not personal. It's just like other people's pop songwriting, which is like, I love good pop songwriting. And so like, I don't care 
all the great pop songwriters wrote those songs and that's why I love it is because that's kind of my whole thing that's so awesome. love Selena Gomez album and I guess I loved it so much that she was my number four artist of the year wow which was surprising to me so my top artist of the year was Quinn XC one one mm-hmm. how do, well, I don't know what number that is <laughs> I, I have no idea but I know who you're talking about <laughs> I, I was in the top two percent of their listeners this year um wow. yeah I love him he has a really great album that came out this year that probably bumped that up because I listened to it on repeat for like three weeks I need to listen to it I haven't yeah I'm I'm a huge podcast listener so um mm. like it said I was at like over 50,000 minutes listening to yeah. podcasts this year so I'm a really big podcast person. I don't really sit down and listen to like a lot of music all the time, um, yeah. which is something that like I want to do more of, but I I don't. <laughs> I didn't do it as much this year. I really only listened to music when I was driving, which truthfully wasn't a lot because of this year. Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of driving. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot of driving. So honestly, one of my goals for 2020 is to actually like listen to more people and like just sit down and like listen to music. No, when I drove to my doctor's appointment the other day, I put folklore on because I knew that we were Mm -hmm. doing this part of the episode. And I was just like, wow, it is nice to like sing along the music in the car. Like I don't do that very often anymore, Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed it. Um, But if you haven't listened to Quinn, go check him out. I know it's a guy, but his music's really good. Um, My favorite. Yeah, I spent 470 minutes listening to Quinn this year. So obviously I really enjoyed his music. And then my other top artists, um, second was Taylor Swift, um, which was cool. It was probably single-handedly folklore that bumped that up. Yeah. (laughs) Because I actually own her CDs. So if I listen to her, it's usually on a CD and Mm -hmm. not streaming but folklore didn't have a physical copy come out so Mm -hmm. that bumped it up um third is marina bless her heart and soul (laughs) i know i I adore marina i will literally i have a playlist that just has all of her albums on it i think and i just like hit shuffle and like let it go i love her music it's so good um and then bleachers are another band that I listened to and Hanson which I actually don't know what song I listened to of Hanson so many times to make them my number five but I guess but I listened to them a lot because they're my number five artists so I'm kind of like now I need to check actually and see <laughs> yeah because I'm I was really curious about that all right now back to the show So then the Speak Now era, I feel like, is a huge encapsulation. Is that how you say that word? It doesn't matter. Encapsulating? It's very encapsulating. (laughs) I think (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Okay. Of Taylor Swift and like how she responds to the haters because Speak Now was completely self-written. And I don't know. I think I remember her saying in the past that at first that wasn't intentional, but then I think it became intentional because a huge criticism of her with Fearless and her other album was that she's not really writing the songs. And if it and she's or they're only good because she has the amazing Nashville songwriters in the room with her. Oh, gotcha. Right. Which is funny because didn't she write a lot of the earlier songs like when she was in high school? I know like a couple of them. Yeah. Or from when she was in high school. So it's. Uh, whatever it's fine whatever whatever <laughs> but I think a lot of the people in an attempt to discredit what she was doing is like oh these songs are only good because she's surrounded by the amazing Nashville songwriters who are in the room with her and they're actually kind of carrying the way like they're mm. doing it and she's just chiming in so with the speak now album she was like no 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 like let me yeah. show you and here's the truth like because of that there's a lot more like five minute songs and a lot more like it doesn't follow like maybe the conventional song like ways that you would try to make songs like radio friendly or mm-hmm. chart friendly in those certain ways. But I mean, Speak Now was a little bit low on my list, but let's just be clear here. Speak Now got me through my teenage years yeah. and there are some songs that even now are is some of her best writing, I feel. Uh, yeah, like, I mm, Sparks Fly. 
love it i sang sparks fly at my eighth grade talent show oh that was my performance debut (laughs) back to december is still phenomenal so good last kiss enchanted oh man the story of us that oh yeah so good long live Mm -hmm. like these are low on our list because there's just so many other ones not because they're bad exactly (laughs) And also, too, I think and another way that she, like, kind of responded to haters, I guess, right, is Mean. The song Mean was pretty mm-hmm. much written as a response to the fact that it's like a mean critic who criticized her singing. And I'm pretty sure on, like, a Grammy and the Grammys or it was another award show that she sang and performed at, her performance was not great. I think there was problems with her pitch or whatever. And so uh, somebody criticized her and was like, oh, she's really not that good. It's all she's like a industry plant or whatever. Right. So then she wrote mean about him, which fun fact mean went on to win the best country song at the Grammys later. So Mm -hmm. and is also another phenomenal music video. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I think that's another criticism. Taylor Swift gets a lot is like Mm -hmm. she can't sing. Yeah. Um, Which. Is she the most talented vocal performer in the entire world? No. Like, (laughs) come on, guys. Like, no, we're not pretending that. But I think it goes to show that there's a lot more to being a successful musician than just having, like, amazing vocals. Like, there's a reason not every single Broadway singer out there who can, like, sing five million octaves Mm -hmm. is, like, a chart topper. Um, I don't think like vocal talent and like range or whatever is always like the top thing that you need to like be looking for in an artist. Otherwise, rap wouldn't do so well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because they're not singing. (laughs) Well, and to be a little bit personal for a second here, like I super appreciate that about Taylor Swift because Mm -hmm. personally, like my singing voice is something I personally can get really insecure about because I don't have the five octaves and like my thing isn't so much that like I can bell or I can do the crazy runs or I can I'm working on it I'm trying to get better but you know like that's not my thing but I do feel like with my voice I can portray the songs I write and I can Mm -hmm. tell the stories that I write with my songs that even if I don't have the voice that I feel like people you know think is successful or whatever or like big I feel like there's ways that it could be good enough. And for, in a way, like, I think as a young girl, like, I looked up to Taylor Swift so much because I was like, I don't have the best singing voice. I feel like I, I mean, I did. Like, I could match pitch. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm a bad singer. I know I have some natural ability here. But, like, I could look to Taylor Swift of, like, you know what? Like, I kind of have a quieter voice. I have maybe not the crazy big voice. But neither does Taylor Swift. And Mm -hmm. she can be successful, and, she, and it's just because she can connect with her audience and tell stories. And exactly. so there was like that camaraderie of like, if she can do it, I could do that. And, yeah. And so I appreciate that about Taylor no, Swift. No, I, I don't do think too. that discredits her. And I think there's something to it. Like everyone can sing a Taylor Swift song. Yes. Um, Which is like, we could do a whole nother episode on how people are stupid about pop music. And they're like, it's trash. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of it is appealing to the mass audience. Like you're creating yes. music that everyone can connect with that's kind of crazy like yeah absolutely (laughs) not very many people can say that they wrote a song that like the entirety of the teenage girl population was like oh my gosh that's exactly how I feel right now Mm -hmm. and that's what pop music is about and so I think by having a more approachable voice not a bad voice she has an amazing voice but more approachable totally is like very humanizing and like yeah is part of the appeal like you can sing along to a taylor swift song note Mm -hmm. for note i can't do that with a lot of other artists like i'll sound like a dying cat if i try to sing along to a lot of other artists (laughs) so i think that goes to show that that's why like that's a part of why she was successful is that she doesn't have the vocal range and Mm -hmm. like capabilities of a lot of other artists but that's not why she's successful Successful. yeah yeah and that's like part of it like Mm -hmm. she didn't need to in order to get where she is totally and also too I as a transition I feel like the speak now era is like when she really dived into that personal songwriting because 
like dear john that was a response to her relationship with john mayer right Mm -hmm. and you could feel that and then there's literally puts it in the title yeah (laughs) i know and like back to december we all Mm -hmm. knew was about taylor lautner and innocent was a direct response to Kanye West like yeah and she doesn't try to hide it like she like in the lot the line is like 32 still growing up now Kanye mm-hmm. West was 32 at the time that he interrupted her like and I think that just like it was just the beginning of mm-hmm. and I think also too though that was the beginning of the narrative of like people being like oh what is Taylor Swift songs about and like that kind of media storm mm-hmm. of like being obsessed with who she was dating because of who how personal and open she was with yeah. the song she was writing yes exactly and obviously speak now was a wicked success oh, it debuted it at so number good. one on billboard <laughs> sold more than a million copies in its first week so like good on you taylor swift yes. killed it as which one was, i didn't talk about this but which one was love story on fearless okay just a moment of appreciation for that song just a moment of appreciation <laughs> i know we're story. past that but like Oh my gosh, what a it's good It's so one. good. Classic. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so After Speak Now is Red, mm-hmm. which is the transitional period and also the straight hair and bangs. Because oh my gosh. That's that's how Taylor Swift brands herself. She grew which up here. inspired me to cut my hair, and I actually had bangs yes. and straight hair for all of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because of Taylor Swift, so there you go. Yep, and the red lipstick kind of became her trademark here, too. Oh, yeah. Let's, yep, killed it. So, fun things here about the Red Era. She worked with tons of different songwriters and producers here. She worked with, like, the best pop producer of all time, Max Martin Shellback, who just, if you don't know who that is, they're, like, pretty much the producers behind Britney Spears, NSYNC. NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys? I can't remember. I don't know. Look up Max Martin you will see literally like so many huge pop songs and he helped her with I knew you were trouble and I think that started the collaboration with them which became even hard like 1989 is a lot with Max Martin and Shellback so awesome that relationship ended up becoming super important oh and she also did we are never ever getting back together with them which was her first number one on billboard for singles Mm -hmm. so love that song i remember when that song came out and my i was just like oh my gosh yeah. what is this i don't know what that voice was i just came up with it oh my gosh red has some of my favorite oh songs yeah. of all time all too well come on um, guys yeah <laughs> like let's just be honest here lyrical masterpiece oh my gosh it's like the phenomenal amount of times i sobbed into my pillowcase as a teenager crying about my high school boyfriend like only that song could do it yeah only that song oh it's so freaking good Mm -hmm. um also 22 i feel like every single person who turns 22 puts i'm feeling 22 she turned 22 into an like i was so stoked when i turned 22 i know because of taylor swift um the lucky one this song gets slept on a lot i love that song there's a lot of like historical reference in it too she has like a really great narrative it's really similar to me for um the last great american dynasty and the lucky one i love when she does stuff like that it's like some of my favorite taylor swift songs is when she takes someone else's story and turns it into a song yeah and also wasn't your high school twitter handle not the lucky one because of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes it was i have kind of adopted like that whole little thing Mm -hmm. and it's still scattered throughout my social media of like the lucky one is kind of everywhere i love that song it's so good also i mean i knew you were trouble like that's that's one of my favorite obviously that's a little basic but i knew you were trouble and like state of grace treacherous such a good one holy ground i think holy ground Mm. is one of my all-time favorite taylor swift songs begin again there's just so many good ones so many good ones on that album i know like one of the criticisms of red is that like it is so all over the place but i feel like the fact that it's supposed to be about like that tumultuous relationship 
Mm-hmm. It just works. And it's so great. I just loved it. I just yeah. love Red. I don't know. I kind of like it when albums have more variety. And I feel like yeah. Taylor Swift does a really good job of that. And a lot of mm-hmm. other artists, they don't really feel that way. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't really need every album to, like, be cohesive and mm-hmm. perfect like sometimes it's more fun for it to be kind of everywhere and I feel like maybe that says yeah. something about more of that transition for her than totally um, than anything else so I love that album I do too and also red was the transitional period to 1989 mm-hmm. and something to acknowledge so red lost the Gra- red lost the Grammy for album of the year that year and to someone like Taylor Swift, who I feel like the Grammys are very, very important to, just because I feel like she definitely has that whole, like, she really liked that outside praise, right? And mm-hmm. so she definitely really cared about the Grammys, which I'm not criticizing. I get it. Yeah. Um, she wants validation that she's doing yes. well in her career. That's, totally. Yeah. Yes. And maybe, like, for her own mental health, like, that's something she's worked on, but Yes. So anyway, so, so Red lost the Grammy that year and she talks, she's told, she's told the story. She goes home that night, pretty much just like distraught. Right. And then wakes up in the middle of the night and was like, I'm going pop the next album. It's called 1989. Mm-hmm. And here comes lit, like the biggest, most successful era of her yeah. career. Didn't she get like a lot of people telling her like, don't do a full pop album. Yeah. Tons. Mm hmm. And it like in like our notes here, like there's like little bullet points for each like <laughs> era. But then 1989 is like, OK, here's this huge paragraph of like yeah. everything that happened here. <laughs> it was a big time period for her. <laughs> time period. Yeah. OK, so let me just say so in the year. So in a time of low album sales, because this is when streaming was starting to take over 1989 sold 1.2 million copies in its first week. Two of those so, were us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Two of them were us. <laughs> Ditching high school. We were part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So she was the first artist to top the one million mark in opening week sales for three albums. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. I feel like this is also when she started making her albums like more of a thing. Like yeah. the physical album where she like wanted to make it worth it to go to and get buy it. it. Yeah. And um, she did the Polaroid photos in this one. So Which she- I think just goes to show how much of a genius businesswoman she is because mm-hmm. she could recognize and her, or yeah, like she recognized like, okay, people aren't buying physical albums anymore. So I have to give my listeners a reason to go buy the physical album. Yeah. And ever exactly. since then, she's done that. Mm-hmm. Like she has an exclusive thing that comes with the physical copies. Yeah. That make you want to buy it. I think like people don't realize a lot of the times like you buy music more for the experience than anything Mm -hmm. else and I feel like Taylor Swift gets that like vinyl is still being sold so obviously like yeah things aren't completely lost but like what can you do to like make it so that it's worth it for them to go get a CD when it's just like online yeah and she found it she cracked that and it's worked every time I think since then she Mm -hmm. sells a lot of physical copies of music yeah especially considering that like nobody else really does anymore Mm -hmm. so yeah and they're beautiful if we want to just talk about the design of them they're all conceptually and like just really well done very well Mm -hmm. so totally other big things that happened in 1989 so shake it off bad blood and blank space all hit number one on billboard so three Mm -hmm. number one singles in the 1989 era also i feel like this is kind of when i think she became even more of a tabloid where her feud with Katy perry kind of was like a thing and everyone kind of was like oh that's what song bad blood's about it's about Katy perry and her squad right of Mm -hmm. like all of her friends and like she definitely wanted to i think put herself as like i'm the girl with all the friends and like the parties and I'm you know which isn't bad per se but like I think that brought a lot of um criticism you know of like 
I don't know. Personally, when I go back and watch interviews of Taylor Swift during the 1999 era, I feel like it wasn't as genuine. Yeah. As I get that vibe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it maybe was a little bit manufactured, which is why it was so successful. But that's the one thing I will say about the 1999 era. I will say she wasn't my favorite person during this time period like especially looking back um I feel like a lot of the focus was on her and her Victoria's Secret model friends and like her parties like you said and like all of that and it was just kind of less approachable and like human because it's like (laughs) I don't have a group of friends that are all looking like Victoria's Secret (laughs) models (laughs) like yeah all are gorgeous and like throw huge parties and no um but I think it's important to realize that like the genius of the music is still there yes absolutely (laughs) even though she was obviously like going through something (laughs) yeah that's kind of what I feel like this was a time that she was like I need to be the most successful and I'm the most successful and Mm -hmm. I deserve it which she did deserve it but you know what I mean I feel like maybe there was that disconnect as to why people loved her in the first place which was like Mm -hmm. the fact that she felt like like you know what I mean like on stage like it's it feels like she's talking right to you yes like and all of that I don't know I I love her though exactly so during yeah love her (laughs) feel bad even saying but (laughs) you're right 1989 era was my least favorite Taylor Swift but not because not because I'm against her. Yeah. But it's just still my favorite album. So that yeah, just goes to show you like. <laughs> it's such a good album. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of the beginning though. I think a lot of people kind of got that feel and sense of Taylor Swift. And I, so Kanye West, he releases a song called Famous. And one of the lines is, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why I made that the famous yeah i made her famous controversial the song came out and everyone was like oh my gosh i bet taylor swift is pissed right but then kanye west says no i called her and i told her about it and it's approved it's totally fine and everyone was like oh okay but then taylor swift says no i did not i did not approve that i did not i never heard that full song Never, never heard it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then it was kind of like he said, she said, right? So then in that time, though, is the Grammys. She won album of the year for 1989. And she was the first woman in history to win this award twice, which is amazing. During her acceptance speech, I need to, I'm going to read a portion of it because I Mm -hmm. just think it's so great. But also this, I think, plays a huge part in her eventually being canceled. So she says, I want to say to all the young women out there, there are going to be people along the way who will try to undercut your success or take credit for your accomplishments or your fame. And when she said it, she was like, or your fame. And I was like, yeah, you go Taylor Swift. I remember watching this live and crying. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if you just focus on the work and don't let those people sidetrack you someday when you get where you're going, you'll look around and you will know that it was you and the people who loved you who put you there. And that will be the greatest feeling in the world, which I just love that. I mm-hmm. feel like she really talked about all the things that people criticize her for. But because she put that in little thing about people will take credit for your fame. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian put on her Snapchat story a video or well which we now know was a cut up video <laughs> that did not actually portray the full truth of Taylor Swift being on a phone call with Kanye West and oh dear and this was a terrible night in my life <laughs> and then so it pretty much made it seem like Taylor Swift had straight up lied and was just kind of using the feminist agenda to make herself appear more relatable and more of a victim which I'll admit yep it seemed like that and then Taylor Swift went on Twitter and said 
where is the video of me consenting to her being to being called you know that bit it's not there Mm. because it doesn't exist and yeah and and then comes the classic line that she said at the very end is i would very much like to be excluded from this narrative which just became just a thing that everyone made fun of her for but then so then taylor swift is over party was trending all over twitter kim kardashian tweeted like wait is it really international day of the snake everyone was flooding taylor swift's comment sections with the snake emoji everyone just hated taylor swift like it was done i it was a very terrible day in my life i'm just going to be honest I will say I was on my mission when this all went down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of removed from it a little bit. And um, I remember getting a letter from you where (laughs) you were you explained the entire thing. And then you were because I was just like, what's happening? Because I had seen like tabloids in the grocery store with Uh like um, just like Taylor Swift and da 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 da. But I wasn't like actively paying very much attention no obviously a lot going on um but I remember getting that letter from you and you were just like oh it kind of looks like she ended up lying and like I don't know and you were just like I guess like this might be it like I could tell it when you were talking that you were just kind of like this might be the end of Taylor Swift I was so sad and in that moment too I was like did she lie <laughs> like yeah what's happening here i was so sad i'm like this woman gave me my teenage years at that time i was in college for music like Mm -hmm. i was i was um i was pretty heartbroken i'm not gonna lie yeah it was weird to read too because i Mm -hmm. like not being there for like any of the stuff I didn't hear Kanye West's song until I got home and even then I only heard the part where he talked about her I didn't listen to any of it um but like the whole thing was just kind of crazy because it was just like oh like yeah (laughs) what's happening like this doesn't match up with like who we know her to be as a celebrity like Mm -hmm. from what we do know so it just seemed really strange Um, I know like kind of a little selfish thing though is I actually was kind of grateful for the whole thing because she ended up not releasing an album while I was gone um (laughs) she went on her break during the time period that I wouldn't have been able to listen to her music so I remember like being kind of really grateful because then Uh I came home and Reputation was released that fall and I was like, thanks for taking a break when I couldn't appreciate your music and releasing one right when I got home. Thanks. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. I don't know. I'm always like a little grateful that this whole thing happened just because then I was like, but I didn't miss the Taylor Swift album release. (laughs) So So I didn't have to do with that. (laughs) Yeah. Because then at that point, she pretty much disappeared for three years. Mm -hmm. Like. Anytime she came up for air, it was super minimal, not for really anything big. I think she released that song with Zayn during that time. Yeah, the one for the Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, and I love that song, but I think that was the only thing she did. Mm -hmm. She kept super low, under wraps, didn't bring any attention to herself. And um, yeah, as a Taylor Swift fan, that that sucked. I missed her. (laughs) But yeah, she was pretty much gone for like a whole year. Like nobody really saw her cared about her well mm-hmm. people cared about her there are people who cared but you yeah. know what i mean i think yeah. she definitely had to wipe that slate clean and she literally did and she literally <laughs> did she deleted all of her posts on instagram mm-hmm. and then yeah started posting snake videos hey everyone we actually um decided to cut the episode right here and do a part two um, turns out we can talk about Taylor Swift a lot longer than just an hour. <laughs> yeah, we figured it'd be better to do part one and part two so there's not a two and a half hour long podcast episode <laughs> or who knows how long. So, yes, we'll be splitting this up and release it periodically throughout mm-hmm. the week. Yes. So 
wait a couple days if you're listening to this date released or if it's already out then congratulations move on to part two and you get to hear the rest of our taylor swift episode yes where we will talk reputation and everything after Mm -hmm. which is the most exciting part i think (laughs) so tune back in soon Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.